Hello and welcome to the Her Product Lab podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Masterson. Her Product Lab is a community of motivated women in product management and entrepreneurship who want to help each other learn and grow. This podcast is a previous recording from one of our virtual Friday sessions that we host to tap into the experiences of women who work in product to help us in our careers. You get more details on those sessions at herproductlab.com. And don't forget to also follow us on Instagram at herproductlab. Today's podcast was with Brittany Chung. Brittany is the founder of Cures of Colors, combining her love for sciences and the arts. She is passionate about raising the next generation to be empathetic and service-oriented. As a founder, Brittany is in charge of overseeing Cures of Colors operations from start to finish, including coordinating the creative teams, website design, marketing, optimization, and community outreach. Brittany pours her heart and soul into Cures of Colors in the hopes of affecting lasting change in families across the country. In addition to leading the charge at Cures of Colors, she also oversees a team of researchers as research lead at Doheny Eye Institute. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brittany. Yeah, thanks for having me and for the introduction. Excited to be here. And we'll start off, I know I kind of gave a bit of your background, but we'll expand on that a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I just wanted to bring attention to the rise of you know, Asian hate crimes before we jump into it, um, which leaves me feeling devastated, disgusted, and upset about where society is. Growing up as an Asian American, it hits close to home, and I know that a lot of communities are feeling scared and hurt. Just want to say our organization stands with the Asian community, as well as other communities dealing with racist rhetoric and feelings of oppression. Stories like these are what made me start this organization. Um, so wanted to say a little bit of that first before we jump into it. Um, but segueing into about myself, um, that was such a great introduction. So I don't know what else there is to say, but I'm currently in Los Angeles, I'm born and raised here in Southern California. I'm an Asian American with a background in you know, medical sciences. I have a passion for all things creative, social innovation, uh, appreciation for food, travel, culture, thrive on challenges, and absolutely value my time spent with friends and family. That's always important. The nice work-life balance is very important, but we want to really tap into, because it, we ran the poll just before we started, all looking to start some new businesses. And can you tell us about your professional journey and your experiences uh, that might lend to some helpful tips? Yeah, of course. So I originally started out pursuing the medical route, um, inspired by my volunteer work, where I spent a month overseas in Nepal doing mission work, as well as many hours spent in the children's hospital. I've always been intrigued by wanting to pursue something creative. I actually grew up enjoying and appreciating the arts and how that medium really taps into creative ways of expression. So after receiving my bachelor's degree, I moved to the East Coast to pursue my master's degree, where I needed to decide exactly what route I wanted to pursue. It was kind of between clinical research or becoming a physician. And, you know, that was such a pivotal moment in my life where I really had to determine what direction I wanted to go, but also learning so much about you know, not only in the academics, but, you know, so much about myself and my growth, you know, becoming independent, moving to a new city, 
didn't know anyone adapting to the four seasons, which is a huge adjustment coming from Los Angeles, uh, getting through all the challenges academically and mentally. Um, it really tested my abilities to see, you know, where I gained my confidence and the potential of what I could achieve if I was passionate enough about it. You know, fast forwarding to now, I currently work in clinical research where we work closely with biotech and pharma companies, exploring endpoints, implementing, you know, multiple phases of study startups and designs um, in hopes of advancement in patient quality of life. Um, I'm specifically involved in a kind of a science consulting role in terms of study startup analysis um, and overlap across many departments across our company to achieve, you know, these sponsor goals. I, as you mentioned before, um, I support as a lead in overseeing a team of about 18 team members. And it's really exciting in this industry to really see how much everyone on our team and as a company can evolve as we incorporate more automation, more AI. Uh, another fascination I have in terms of direction that medicine is going towards, but that could be a discussion for another day. Um, but from this, you can kind of see I, you know, have medical and how medical and creative are kind of two completely different avenues. I was always interested in exploring and, you know, although it took a while, um, I'm at a place now where I can tap into both and I have nonstop curiosity, um, innovation, you know, in these two fields I've always been passionate about. And due to the pandemic, you know, no longer having the Los Angeles commute cut into my day, um, it's allowed me to explore this creative vertical, which landed me on this idea and founding this nonprofit called Cures of Colors. And speaking about that, what inspired you to start Cures of Colors? Um, a lot of things play into my inspiration behind starting this organization, but I'll mention three today. Uh, first is the pediatric oncology patients, kind of dating back to the start of my medical journey. Um, mentioning I spent you know, many hours in the Children's Hospital here in Orange County and being able to witness their resilience and ability to adapt um, and absorb everything they're going through due to this you know, life-changing diagnosis. This really puts in perspective just how much children truly understand um, to have these conversations if we give them the chance to ask questions and talk about these important topics. And second, I actually grew up raised by my grandparents um, where not many topics were discussed. And it wasn't until I went to college where I realized just really how sheltered I was. And then I moved to the East Coast and that really put in perspective just how small I was in this big world and started feeling empowered. And, you know, by my accomplishments, my achievements, inspired by different volunteer activities and really, you know, motivated to continue to learn. Um, and then as the pandemic kind of came about last year, I had a chance to witness struggles of friends who are educators and parents and just how tough it really was to adapt to the shift of balancing personal work and family life under one roof. And as I started feeling for my friends and family members and that going through my mind, I immediately went into wondering, how are children dealing with this? You know, being pulled from school, unable to see their friends or even hug their grandparents. And I think these are all vivid memories that I think all of us have about our childhood that's essentially stripped um, from them. I kind of wanted to create an activity that was educational to understand the current climate of the pandemic, but also something familiar enough for children to connect with. 
I decided on coloring books because I think all of us kind of remember coloring back when we were younger, also it being an activity, you know, enjoyed across all age ranges, adults and children, and decided to tie in the narrative aspect um, just because we want to provide that educational value or even relatability. And along that thought process, you know, there's just so many difficult topics out there that should be discussed with children, you know, whether that's mental health, grief and loss. Um, LGBTQ plus communities, immigration, you know, the list is really endless. And the vision for this organization is to provide content where a child can see themselves represented, or if it's unfamiliar, maybe something that they're introduced to for the first time. And we want, we want to encourage parents and caregivers um, and educators that they need to have these difficult conversations. You know, there's so many children affected by trauma, struggles with identity, mental health. And I think I speak for all of adults when I say that we want our children to feel comfortable having these conversations as they develop throughout their childhood. And hope, you know, in the end that our books are not only tools for children, but also for parents to use. And there are a lot of parents out there who want to have these difficult conversations but struggle on how to initiate them. So as color, as children kind of color and, you know, read through our books, we hope this prompts their curiosity um, and, you know, prompts adults and children to have this dialogue about these topics. And, you know, in the, at the end of it, it's really up to us to raise children, expose them to all these different backgrounds, religions, orientation, race, and cultures, and really contribute to raising empathetic, compassionate children for our future. That first topic, uh, the first point you made there with the children's oncology, uh, I was fortunate enough to visit St. Jude Hospital in Memphis uh, at my old job with the radio station. And it is amazing when you walk in, I would say, what's crazy to say, I've, I've traveled all over the world, but that's one of my favorite places I've ever been because these, the kids they're, they are resilient and they do understand what they're going through. When people say, well, they're kids, they don't, they do. They, they know exactly what's happening, but the way kids are resilient and the way they can handle sometimes the situations great, more graceful than adults is yeah. really incredible. Uh, and it really makes you change your outlook on life when you see what these kids are going through and handling with such grace and caring more about everybody else around them than themselves in that moment. Uh, you think to yourself, oh, man, if adults were just just like that, it might be a better place to live. <laughs> yeah, we can learn a thing or two or more from children. <laughs> yeah, we could. You're listening to the Her Product Lab podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Masterson. If you want to be a part of one of these virtual live sessions that we have each Friday, go to HerProductLab.com and sign up for one of our future events. And you can get your questions answered from one of our experts. Again, go to HerProductLab.com to see the schedule schedule and take part of one of these virtual live sessions. Uh, why do you think there's a question in the chat uh, to quickly touch upon? Why do you think parents find it hard to talk to their kids about these topics, such as racism or cancer or LGBTQ plus issues, um, but we can talk about it with our friends without a problem? From my personal experience, you know, as I mentioned, kind of being raised by my grandparents and um, being of you know, Asian American culture and background. Um, so this isn't applicable to everyone, but just through my personal experience, um, you know, we didn't really, I grew up very curious, but a lot wasn't talked about. And, you know, I don't have anything against that or them in how I was raised just because, you know, coming 
to a new country as immigrants and really wanting to stay low in terms of, you know, anything that happened, you know, if they ever experienced any racist rhetoric or, you know, feelings of oppression, you just kind of brushed it off. And I think, you know, them coming here, that's kind of the only way they knew how, um, just from their upbringing, but also being, you know, in a new country and trying to assimilate to, you know, American culture. And, you know, as we have um, current generations who are extremely passionate about the different social issues that are going on right now, I think um, that really brings to light, you know, how how much we all want to have that discussion and which kind of evolved into where our society is today. So I think, you know, taking it back to our children and them really being part of our future, kind of starting where we can now to implement educating them and informing them about how diverse our world is really will go far for us, you know, a better future um, in our country. So when you're starting, you know, when you started your nonprofit or anybody starting a new business, one of the biggest things is that you're afraid that maybe it's not the right idea. It's almost similarly to how uh, I know personally, like writers, you don't talk about what you're writing because you're afraid if you put it out there and people don't like it, it's going to fail then. So how do you know when you had the right idea or when in general, when you're starting a new, uh, starting a startup that you actually have the right idea to move forward with? Yeah. So, you know, kind of, due to the current events that has spanned over many years, um, but I guess has also brought to light these past couple years, especially, you know, the rise in social media. There's a lot of pressing topics that need to be heard and be given attention to and support. Um, I think, you know, there's, as I kind of mentioned, there's an obvious lack of dialogue between parents and children, um, which, you know, I've shared through my personal experience. And there's a need for different mediums and tools to spark that dialogue, whether that's a narrative coloring book or something else. Um, there's definitely a void that needs to be filled as our society moves forward. And I'm a strong believer that a lot of hate, you know, discrimination, um, racism stems from misunderstanding. So, you know, why is there so much hate against blacks, Asians, minorities? It's a misunderstanding of different cultures you know, people, characteristics, you know, whatever differences that we need, we need to proactively come up with ways to, you know, solve that issue. A lot of adults are looking at each other trying to figure out how can we become a better society rather than focusing on what is the future of our society and our kids are our future. Um, there's a quote by Frederick Douglass that I will continue to repeat. Um, and he said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And to me, I and our organization feel that it's you know easier to focus on the children before it becomes a problem and history kind of repeats itself. Uh, we see that there's an obvious void and whether that this is a tool to help fill that void or not, I'm going to keep trying to tackle that issue. Another question from the chat, which will then tie into our next question, but how do you balance your time having a full time building a startup and doing all this stuff in your personal life? Do you have any tips? Yeah, um, I think in terms of challenges, that is a huge, um, my number one biggest challenge is kind of managing, you know, my day job um, and this organization to not reach burnout. Um, a little bit about my experience so far. So at the beginning of this organization for seven months, I go to sleep at 12, a 12 to 1 a.m., wake up at four, which sounds insane to most. 
Um, now I've been getting five hours of sleep, which is fine and I'm still functioning, but it really doesn't hit you until you actually hit burnout and it's too late. So I think it's really important to have a system because, you know, your habits and motivation can only go so far. And then kind of when that dies down, you have your system and routine to kind of fall back on. So implementing little things like not checking emails past nine um, and being able to wind down and get ready for bed. Uh, those are things you might not, you know, realize immediately or notice, but, you know, long-term those will impact you. And some adjustments to my system is kind of small things here and there that kind of prevents you from reaching burnout. And that's something I realized because uh, burnout, you know, I've kind of experienced that fairly recently. And I feel like I'm continuing to work on it. I think when you're extremely passionate about what you're doing, um, it's hard. It's easy to get caught up in all of that. With everything going on in the world, I know everyone wants to use their voice and support. And, you know, this organization at its core is riding on that mission and vision. So not a lot of tips for me, just kind of taking it a little bit day to day and, you know, be kind and gracious with yourself and your time. Um, a lot of people are juggling a lot right now. And then another question, which ties into that a bit, uh, what drives you to have a job outside of your job? And are there days you want to quit? And how do you keep on going? Um, I mean, you have tough days. And I feel like from the start of this organization, um, I still have my day job. I'm very passionate about the sciences. I think that kind of ties into the reason behind why I launched as a nonprofit. And I kind of launched because I knew I wanted to impact and reach and scale as large and quickly as possible. And going this route of a nonprofit, I was able to, you know, gather my board of directors, gather a team together to create products um, that are, you know, tangible tools for children and parents to utilize. Having the nonprofit model, you have, you're at the advantage of having uh, a tax exempt status. And I knew, you know, reaching on a larger scale of like corporate, corporate sponsorships or donors um, and all of those, you know, people who do care about all these social issues and having conversations with their children was kind of, you know, the support behind wanting to launch as a nonprofit, gaining the support of extremely passionate people in our communities and getting that, you know, uh, reaching our mission and vision out there as quickly as we can. And another question coming in from our chat, how do you convince people to join a nonprofit? Is it difficult when equity or salary is not involved? Yeah, I think um, at the beginning stages when I had to really um, learn about the different business models, because actually going through this journey, uh, a lot of people I've interviewed or come in contact with through networking have asked that question of why I didn't pursue, you know, a for-profit business mo model versus the nonprofit model, you know, having again, the day job and then wanting to see our mission take off, having it as a nonprofit, you know, fuel many others to want to help. Uh, right now we have 28 team members. We grew very quickly to produce, you know, multiple products. Um, the understanding of how we can all collectively come together and, impact families, schools, and different communities, uh, you know, is, you know, not so attractive. Um, again, as I think the question came in about having uh, shareholders and 
me as a founder, I also do not have, you know, full control of the organization. Um, that's why I kind of recruited a board of directors and they kind of have a say and a vote for the betterment and uh, benefit of the community as a whole. So that mission and vision essentially is at the forefront um, of what we hope to achieve and what we want to impact long-term. And I think with everyone coming on board and everyone joining our team, um, that's the mindset we kind of lay out. Multiple times throughout the week, I am talking to other founders and executive directors of other organizations, and the support really is incomparable across you know, many other different industries or uh, ventures that I've explored. So that's kind of my take on it so far in this journey. What are some of the bigger challenges that you faced throughout this process, including adversity or doubt, and how did you overcome them? Adversity and doubt. Yeah, I think that's something I'm still trying to navigate through. Um, I think a lot of it is kind of mind over matter, but, you know, certain things that I constantly have to remind myself. And one of those things would be what's in my control versus out of control, out of my control. Like, what can I have full control of and let go of? And I think having that perspective gives me peace of mind. There are, you know, a lot of roadblocks or hurdles and, you know, this being a new industry for me as well, um, while juggling a day job and sometimes all you can do is do your best. Um, and that's something I constantly need to remind myself of. Another thing that I try to reiterate is that life is too short to not make a fool of yourself once in a while. So I've learned to embrace a lot more situations, move forward, laugh more. I think you know, we all need to add a little more humor in our lives is essentially the takeaway. Um, and the big one would be purpose, because at the end of the day, uh, purpose and passion are what drives me and motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing to begin with. It's the driving force to overcome, you know, any obstacle because there's a goal to achieve. And if someone wants it bad enough, you'll always find that energy or, you know, fire lit under you to do whatever it takes. I love that mentality of, of learning to accept what you can't control because mm -hmm. I'm a big, I always say that people ask all the time, you just, things don't get to you. You don't let things bother you. You don't get stressed out often. I said, because I realize that you, you can't control everything. And at the end of the day, there are certain things you just have to let go of, or it's going to eat you up inside mm -hmm. and they don't matter at the end of the day, the, some of the small things that we, we sweat and we worry about all the time. And it not only makes it easier to run the business wise, so you don't overwhelm yourself, but it also just makes you happier in your day to day life as just being a person in the world. So that's a, those are some really great tips. I love that. You're listening to the Her Product Lab podcast. I'm Chelsea Masterson. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Go to Her Product Lab on Instagram or, well, at Her Product Lab on Instagram. Follow us there and sign up for our email newsletter. Go to herproductlab.com. And kind of speaking of the things of not worrying about, what are some of the mistakes that you may have made throughout the your way here that you wish you could have avoided? I'm fairly new on this, you know, nonprofit journey um, and juggling the daytime job. So I'm constantly learning. Uh, but something in terms of mistakes that really resonates with me was I read an article um, where Jack Moss said something about how it doesn't matter how smart you are, you will always encounter mistakes. And to me, at this point in time, I think my biggest mistake is not having started sooner. 
I, my personality and thought process is thinking, you know, I didn't have enough time to do this. And, you know, although time does is a huge factor that plays into this, um, I'm also very much the person who wants to learn and understand everything before really diving into it. And, you know, the most important thing I think I learned from this is that it'd probably take 10 times the amount of time to do what I've done in the past year if I had started sooner. Um, but from this, you know, book knowledge really is not specific to my situation. So in order for me to cover everything I know going into this, I would need to read and learn um, so much um, just because I don't really know what specific path I'm going down. But committing to it and doing it, whether, whether I'm making mistakes along the way, I'm learning about what I need to know specific to my journey. And that's kind of the difference between, you know, learning on the sideline versus learning as you go. Um, when you learn as you go, you're actually doing it. And I think that's the key to becoming successful. And you learn so many important things that's specific to how I evolve and, you know, essentially where I want to go with this organization. And, you know, there's really no tutorial out there for my exact journey that I can learn from. So it's a question of, would I rather spend all this time trying to learn and wait for my chance to jump in or jump in and, you know, adapt, learn and reiterate. So, you know, again, I'm very early on, so I'm sure I'll have many other mistakes to make in my future. So perhaps we can circle back and check, you know, <laughs> check in on that question in a few more years. <laughs> we have another question from our chat here. Do you have any tips on how to scale as a new venture? Cures of Colors is such a fantastic concept. Do you have a vision for how every household can learn about it? Yeah, we have like short-term and kind of long-term goals um, in terms of what we hope to see for the organization. Um, again, we are fairly new right now um, and we have you know, a couple of books in progress and being that we're all volunteer, we can only kind of scale so quickly um, as we bring on volunteers of illustrators and writers for our specific product of coloring books. We wanna ensure that they're passionate, but also you know, have a certain skill set, um, a great like team dynamic um, as we have, you know, multiple teams and intersecting, you know, departments and committees working together. Um, I think in startup in general and also through my startup in nonprofit, you always have that, have that urgency to want to like do things quickly and, you know, push out as many books and scale as quickly as you can. But along the way, I've kind of realized you need to stay patient and that kind of plays into like what's in your control and what's out of your control. Cause at the end of the day, we want to have quality coloring books, um, you know, ideal to scale super quickly because there's so many topics out there that we want to cover, but at the same time, you know, we want to grow organically and, you know, attract the right team members to join, um, attract the right, you know, target audience of parents and children who are going to utilize these books because, you know, we stand behind our mission and vision and don't want to just, you know, put out products um, for the sake of, you know, rapidly um, expanding. And I think at the end of the day, yeah, probably patience and having uh, achievable or realistic goals along the way. Um, I think as a founder um, and many founders for whether company, you know, for-profit or non-profit, you get caught up in the bigger picture of where you want to be. But it's important to kind of set like milestones so that every day or every week or every month, you're kind of 
taking steps towards that larger goal in the end. And you're talking about putting more books out there. And in general, how is your solution with these coloring books different from what's already out on the market today? As I kind of mentioned earlier, there's, you know, a lot of hate, racism, sexism, xenophobia in our country. Hitting many communities, especially hard. Actually, what comes to mind, Trevor Noah did a post on The Daily where he mentioned that our systems in our country fight the symptoms and not the underlying condition. I feel like a lot of these symptoms kind of intersect. So I think it's important to expose our kids to these issues in our world. And if you don't have these difficult conversations, then they won't ever understand it. And we need to understand the different cultures, perspectives, and walks of life. Like, why do people have hate towards certain cultures? Why is, it go- why is this going on? Um, why does our system have so many hate crimes and disregard towards others? And if our society culturally isolates us or we lack, you know, of culturally diverse programs, a lack of discussion between parents and children with these issues, then we need to address that. You know, again, if this is something our narrative coloring books can do or if there's something else out there that can, we need to get to the underlying root of the problem. And I believe this is where we need to have, you know, a holistic view of hate racism, mental illness, misogyny, you know, violence. I really hope that we're not the only organization educating children on these topics in a creative way. I think that there's going to take many different creative approaches to get to where we want to be. But, you know, in the meantime, going to keep proactively tackling these issues through this organization. Can you tell us about your team and some of the leadership techniques that have worked for you throughout this process of this pandemic started startup? <laughs> yeah. Um, so all so in terms of you know leadership or our teams, uh, personally for me, some things that I always hope to incorporate into every company I work for, as well as want to bring to Cures of Colors, is the idea of mentorship. I'm extremely, extremely passionate uh, about shaping people on my team to become bigger, you know, better, bolder leaders and individuals. And it's very rewarding for me to see people you care about flourish and then pay it forward to help others flourish. Um, It's really through this experience, a joy to, you know, collectively come together and work with other individuals who are just as passionate to turn all of our ideas into a tangible product and tool that our communities can benefit from. And, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, it's kind of risky to launch something new, um, very intimidating, but I feel like people were really seeking a sense of community and support more now, more now than ever. And, you know, it's been a very challenging and unpredictable year. And it's very rewarding to see, you know, children and families excited for their books, that conversations, you know, have started. And, you know, all of this that kind of came to fruition with the help of amazing team that I actually have yet to meet in person. So I'm proud to share this organization with my team. You know, we've all come together to make something very powerful and meaningful um, in an especially difficult year. And yeah, so teamwork 
makes the dream work. <laughs> it is so weird because uh, bringing up the you haven't actually you know met face to face because it is a lot of people who are whether starting a startup or just starting a new job. You know, you have your first day, you get to meet everybody, you go around the office, and that is kind of lost now yeah. with the pandemic. Is you don't get to do that that first day. You don't get to. Uh, meet everybody. So it's such an interesting time to start a, a startup or to start a job because you have to kind of adapt to this whole new situation, whether that is with leadership or just, mm -hmm. just meeting everybody for the first day of work. <laughs> Can you tell us about your family and friends and your support system? Because I could imagine that's extremely important when starting a new venture. Yeah, um, I feel like I can spend all the time in the world talking about friends and family. So grateful um, for how supportive, first of all, my family is. Everything I've kind of ventured to explore, having such a healthy, comfortable childhood, taking care of things for me so I'd have more time to study, work, get my day-to-day -day tasks done. Um, it's, you know, the everyday little things that are often overlooked, but I'm so grateful and appreciative for their support and really a shout out to them for being, you know, a huge part of what drives me and definitely the ones who assist with any of my successes today. And in terms of friends, um, as everyone says, they're kind of the family you choose to have in your life. So on this journey, I really rely on them for so much of my emotional and mental support. I have such a tight-knit group of friends. A majority of them I've actually known for over a decade, some over two decades, and some that I've met within the past you know, five or so years who are just as special and offer different types of value in my life. And you know, all of them at their very core are such good people and you know, continue, will constantly say how grateful I am for every single one of them. You know, they really champion me celebrate every milestone and i feel like i truly wouldn't be me without them and you've brought up uh, a few times help celebrating those milestones how important is that to celebrate those whether they're the big milestones the big wins or even the small uh, milestones and wins in order to keep yourself motivated and going with a new venture yeah i um kind of what i alluded to earlier in like seeing the bigger picture i was extremely caught up in that um at the very beginning stages which then you know kind of led to burnout because you just see kind of the end game of where you want to be um instead of mapping out these small milestones like whether that's daily weekly monthly um kind of like a checklist where you you know are satisfied with checking things off your list as you go but being able to have something um, written down um, that's realistic and achievable along the way really will help with, you know, the mental state, but also your growth um, as you evolve and develop as an organization and where you want to be, that you're taking the correct steps um, to reach that end goal. Thank you so much for listening to the Her Product Lab podcast. Make sure you get in on one of these live sessions. They're a lot of fun. It's our virtual live session that we have experts come on and share their experiences on a variety of topics and get your questions answered. Go to herproductlab.com for the schedule and to sign up for one of those sessions. And don't forget to also follow us on Instagram at herproductlab.